I, I told one of our uh, top workers, you got something else to do, I see. Anyway, I told one of our top workers uh, that if he worked for me uh, and showed up with a kind of a casual stroll in, he wouldn't work for me anymore. And, and, and to lose him would be a big deal. And, and so I, I quickly, the subtext was, you know, I don't have that authority. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want it. But, uh, and we got along pretty well after that. Uh, because I've already confessed that I thought I would die if I was late. But the kind of stroll in, you know, there has to come a time when accountability means something. Anyway, and thank God for, if you, if you would be so kind, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Psalm 136. Okay, would, uh, would you come up here, Aaron, Aaron, you've got a, and I, another thing, I would get rid of all the, all of this stuff, um, because it's too easy to, if things are boring, to go off on on your own into the internet. Um, but here's a good question for us. And and I and we really want to pray for the for the youth meeting. Right? I was on the phone talking to several people early this morning about that. And that uh, the quickness sometimes that the younger people get something and they drop it just about as fast sometimes. And out of a thousand, maybe one will hold on. Maybe. The stats are low because we have to go to hell to see we don't like it. You know, we really do. And I know I don't like it. I've had several visits headlong on my own. But I'm going to ask you today what your hope is because when you lose hope, you lose what he's going to read the first ten sentences in with you today. And I got to thinking, you know, the impossibility of us being able to do this. I mean, how many decades does it take us to say, I can't? And then to know who does. And to find that love relationship with the one who does. Uh, anyway, um, and, and please, please understand. Uh, it may sound like I'm talking down to you. I'm trying to get up. 
okay? Try to get up and stay up because your God never, ever leaves you alone. Be a little softer, Bill, maybe they'll lose it. Your God never leaves you alone for a second. And you and I have intermittent relationships like it's the weather. And only God can make this a deep cut uh, so that we know that our soul is a pathetic parasite living off God's creation for ourselves. And so the longer you hang around, the more you're going to hate your life in this world. And he made it so beautiful, and we're not even talking about that, the beauty. We're talking about who's in charge of it. Okay? And we know we're not, right? Are you sure of that? We're not. <laughs> anyway. Try to think of this as not just another day for you, and I will too, I'll work on that. But if you lose hope, if you lose hope, and, and there are days when the devil is absolutely trying to stifle that. And we had a, a strong word from, from our brother about God destroying or God, because he destroys progress. And, and, and Nathan made that clear. And it was a good morning, wasn't it? Or whatever it was, evening. Because we're just reminded we can, we flirt with the, you know, I, I, I love James sometimes. Because he greets the church as adulterers and adulteresses. And I remember the first time I read that, I thought, wait a minute here. And, uh, and I shut up. But don't let the enemy ever stop your hope. No matter how threadbare, how burnout, how filthy, how dead stopped in your tracks you are. But if you, um, if you lose hope, you don't get any mercy. Mercy's not coming your way when you're not hopeful. Because you shut the door to God. Okay? You shut the door to God, who, who's the father of mercies. Really. Read that. Stan, let's read that before we work praise. Okay? Yeah. Uh, Psalms 136.1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Let's do it together if you have Can we do that? Yeah, everybody. Little chorus. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt you. You're not going to rupture your throat. Okay, ready? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. For his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for his mercy endureth forever.
To him alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. Smote Egypt and their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. Yeah, he said the first ten sentences. I don't know. My hope is built on nothing less Oh, I'll be 
Obedience is the first step towards anything, so here I am. <clears throat> Hope you've been built up this morning. Amen? All right. So, as has been referenced here, we've had a lot of... Uh, <clears throat> A lot of discussion on growth. I've been blessed by the recent uh, openings and words. Have you? Good. There's been some uh, gold brought forth, G. Stephen, in some of the devotions uh, from things that people are going through that I've been blessed by, very blessed by uh, what Verna shared. I hope you took that home and considered that uh, coming from current Affliction, uh, there's good fruit from that. Um, were you blessed by that? Yeah. I was. I know you were. We actually were joking the other day about we're not as uh, quite as verbally responsive as we used to be, but I know that there's a lot going on in the heart of, of deep agreement, so that's good. Um, so on the theme of growth... Something that's, that's bothered me for a while that I've been thinking about, and then I uh, read something that inspired me to take a little further. Um, you know, we, the, the great switch, uh, I would say, you know, from really uh, the word in general, uh, that's a vast change from um, growing up. Um, you know, there's not discussion on going to hell or losing your soul in hell, but, uh, you know, missing out on the growth that the Lord has intended for you. And up front, that does not sound as bad to me. You know, the, um, the thought that you might just not grow as much as you should versus going to hell, those, those two things, they're not weighted on the same scale of just my natural, uh, you know, dictatorial thought process, right? Like, would you rather do one or the other? I think I'll take less growth. Thank you. You can take the hell route, you know. Um, <clears throat> But in actuality, uh, and, I, and I gl I'm glad for the new, the new words to make us think differently, um, not growing to where the Lord has intended you to grow, that is not good. That's, that's, we're going to talk today about coming to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's God's intention for you. Um, missing that mark is not a good alternate option. That's what I want to say today. The, what's that? Absolutely, absolutely. Etern the eternal reward of that, Brother Bill said. Um, you know, there is, uh, and I'll read this here, but uh, there we know about uh, that all of us that have been born again, all of us that know about this, um, have, been, have been brought from death into life, and we're all thankful for that. That's, that is a major switch. We are thankful to be those that are on the path of light, right? All of us are aware of the work of the Lord in our lives. Uh, thank God for that. Thank God that we were uh, destined to, be, have, to have our eyes opened to the purpose of God. I'm thankful that I'm one of the ones on the earth today, whatever, how many, seven billion, whatever there is, that was, that was chosen long ago to have my eyes open to his purpose in my life. Very thankful for that. That is not his only purpose for me. His purpose, and for all of us here, is to grow up into sonship, to grow up into a... a manifestation of where the, the life of Christ is actually come to fullness in us. That's a lot to think about. But actually, that is the intention of the purpose of God for all of us. Turn to Genesis 1, where just, or no, it's in, um, it's not 1, it is uh, 3, I think. 
just a great little startup of God's work with men. Um, you know, this is, uh, and I'll actually, I'll actually start in 2.8 just to give a little background. We already know this, but it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and one more tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right in the middle of the garden. And then as we know, the Lord goes on and he says, uh, you know, and the serpent comes, he says, that's the tree you're not to eat of. And in, in chapter three, uh, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, ye shall not touch it, neither shall ye eat it, lest ye die. You know, the, if you start out here looking at what God's purpose was, it wasn't, um, we know where the experiment goes, but God wasn't running an experiment to see how the experiment turned out. You know, it wasn't like, I'm going to build a garden, I'm going to put a tree in the middle, I'm going to create a couple people, and I'm going to sit back and watch and see if they can avoid the one thing out of the entire garden that they're not to do. Let's all gather around and see how Adam and Eve can run this route. You know, I mean, I, I have thought of the Lord kind of watching me through the day. He's like, Gabe, I got one thing today that you, you know, you know you've been working on. Don't go there today. We're all going to sit back, me and the angels. We're going to see if you can make the one thing that you need to not do, you know? Like, right, you know? I mean, the Lord knew already where he was going with this. What was God's intention? Was it to be tr you know, trickery? Was it just to be, you know, a suffrage of mankind for 6,000 years? What was, what was the intention? The intention was to reveal to man that left to myself, the decisions that I will make are going to lead me to death. This is, the, this is what the Lord wants to know. If you've been listening to the intent of the word that's been coming, the Lord has been graciously, in very personal ways, taking us through things to, to let us realize we cannot do this on our own. We cannot choose what, we are, what is the path of right on our own. If you were to take a bunch of kids, if you were to take, heck, a bunch of adults, do whatever, put a bunch of things in this room right here and pick one thing. You guys got the whole room. This one thing is the only thing you can't have. Every single person is going to spend the entire time thinking about that one thing. It doesn't matter if there's 5,000 or, you know, 10,000 things in this room. This is the one thing that they want to get. <clears throat> I went to England, spent six months in the same house in England with the Millers. An amazing family. <clears throat> um, and we didn't have much time for fooling around, which was a really good plan. It was, it was maybe a little overdone. Um, extreme, um, like <clears throat> it, seriously, I think we had about 15 to 17 hours of, of schooling and homework every day, but um, to the point that I, I did actually, I did not object to some of my students creeping out the window to go down to the local pub in the late of night. I just stood guard at the door of the, of the thing. But anyway, we had a great time there, but the, um, what I was going to say about that's all off topic. There was one room that we were told when we got there, this is one room nobody goes into. So you can imagine for six months, everybody, all the rest of the house was pretty boring. I mean, it was a big house. We had lots of opportunity to go in. You know, there was one door. They had some cameras on and stuff. And we had hours of discussion of, of what, you know, and there had, there's some real concern. There had been threats on, on Miss Gina's life. You know, there's real things. But, you know, the theories have run into eternity because thankfully, unlike Eve, we did not wander into that room. We left it there. Pat was a former FBI agent. We were pretty sure something real might happen. But um, wow. the, uh, the real, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually the best story about Pat 
this is even further off topic, but you guys look like you might need to laugh, but um, <coughs> we'll wake you up and then hit you with something else. Um, and the best story about Pat that he didn't even tell us, someone came to the con convention. Uh, he had been in South America, I don't remember exactly where, and in between services, the ministry would kind of go to a little coffee shop and discuss things, have a lunch, meet with individual elders, you know, set things straight, go back to service, right? This is the cycle. It's Brother Buddy, it's Joe, it's Pat, it's all Brother Bill probably was there as well. Anyway, they come out of this and they're getting into a taxi. And, and um, you all know Brother Joe McCord, you can imagine, but his wallet was sticking out of his back pocket and Pat Miller was behind him. And so they're there on the side of the street, the pub is behind him. And, and Joe is bending over to get in the car and a, a Mexican guy runs up and grabs Joe's wallet out of his pocket. It just was too tempting, you know. I think, didn't you tell us it fell out of his pocket one time? Or almost did? Oh, no, no, no. It looked like a wall. It looked like, ball. yeah. Oh, you couldn't get it out. Yeah. That was the solution to the Mexico story, was that, yeah, Joe, Joe made his wallet bigger so it right. could never fall out. That's so. Anyway, Pat said, Pat was behind him, and when he said when he came back to himself, he was just at a, a little elders meeting, right? When he came to himself, he had this guy on the ground, the Mexican, his arm was, a, he was about to break his arm, and all the ministers standing around watching him. And he realized, you know, he's in a suit, and he came to himself and realized, I'm a ministry, I'm about to break a guy's arm on the side of the road for a second. And he got up, and he grabbed the guy up, and the guy, you know, didn't, gave him his wallet quickly and ran off, and Pat, no one said anything, and they got in the car and silently drove to the service. Anyway, he just said, his training just took, took over, so. There was other reasons we didn't. We actually had Pat do some things on Bench Harrison myself just to see how good he was. At 60, he was still pretty effective, but just trained, right? You, they, you don't even think. When you, when you are that, in those circles, the reason these guys, they're almost animalistically trained to respond. There's no, the thought process is just given away to training. Pat just said he didn't, he just saw the wallet, guy on the ground. Anyway, wallet was recovered. So, sadly, I was not there for that, but we all know for ourselves, um, <clears throat> You know, it, it, most of us have trouble with more than just one tree um, in our life. Um, there, are, there is no way to meet the need of our own soul without the acceptance and the just fully giving yourself to what we have been given of the life of Christ to rise above. There's, there just is no way for mankind to pull this off. The great experiment of the garden would just, it, the entire thing is to just... Not reveal to God our lack. He knows that. He created us. He knows those things. But he wants a people that understand the entire depravity of our own soul to, to get anywhere, to, to wake up on any morning, even at the best of times, and to be able to rightly divide, to be able to, to interpret the conversation, to make the right decisions, to do whatever. What we have been given is we have been given a measure of Christ, all of us a talent in different ways of the measure of Christ in our life. This is the intention of God is to bring us fully into this. And if you think about that, it's that is a lot. You know, Brother Bill said it opened up by not losing hope. You know, <clears throat> the fullness turn to Ephesians. I mean, if you really focus on the words here, I have been working the last couple of years thinking about this to actually try to start just forward thinking into, to, to accepting into what the Lord says about me because it's quite past what, is, what I see about myself. But at some point, at some point, there are people that are walking this earth right here surrounding us that are going to believe what the Lord says about them. 
You got to start by believing it, right? You got to start by saying, Lord, this is what you've said of me. This is what has been made available to me. We must start in the areas that the Lord has revealed to us. The very simple things. This is what today is about. It is about taking action, the right kind of action, taking action towards stepping into the fullness of Christ. This is what the Lord has for us. And he's not happy with anything else. You know, you can take a seed, a seed by itself. We all know this. It is not much to look at. You put it in the dirt and then a, and then a plant grows. That's a big change, right? This is from now it's a living plant. All of us are in that stage. But you're really not happy until there's fruit that, you know, the intention of every plant isn't just to grow up as a plant is to bear fruit. That really is the fullness is really what God is after. He's not OK that we just know of him. He's not OK that we know of his promises, that we know of what is available, that we know of the deliverance that could be had to us. He's he's wanting us to start moving into that. And, and many of us are in many areas. But in Ephesians here, this is just, it's such a packed passage. So Ephesians is, chapter one is overloaded, um, truthfully. Yeah. Um, it, but it's, I just, I wanna again, in verse, just verse nine, we can jump around here. Having made known unto us, that this is verse nine of Ephesians one, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. This is, this is what not only is planned, this is what is going to happen, right? Both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And then in... Um, uh, it just goes on to, to talk about the fullness. I think it was uh, in Ephesians, in, in verse 12 of 4, we don't have to turn there. But, but the purpose of all the gifts, as we know, is that we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the intention of God. He really, he, and, and not only that, I want to say this, when God intends to do something, it's going to happen. There are going to be people, there, have, there are people waiting, right, that have finished their course, that are waiting for the rest of us, that are going to be a part of the company, that are filled with the fullness of Christ. How do you define that? That's beyond, it's beyond defining in English words, the fullness of Christ. But I do know this, I do know that I don't want to miss today, and I don't want to miss this week, the opportunities, the simple opportunities to, to continue on my path of growth towards a, the full man. That is what God's after. There is, there is no shrinking back. This is why he's so upset with the children of Israel, given, given the most amazing display of power ever known in the Bible, the ten, you, the 10 plagues, any one of them is just out of control. Given all that, they come to the Red Sea, he parts the Red Sea. He takes them through the wilderness. He does all this, and, and they simply just don't believe after all of that, that he can do what he says. You know, there's, there's nothing, um, it, it's obvious by these things, that there's nothing God can show to man that can just utterly convince man that there should be no doubt of who their creator is and his capacity to work in their life. It has to be an, in, an inward work because obviously for the millions of people in Israel, for, for two of them to come out of that, the inside work was only taking place in two of them. That's really frightening to me. I want the structure of Whitestone to be decreasing and I want the inside job to be increasing. That's what I'd like to have happen. I like the tradition of, of everything we do that is, that is needed, right? I love the things that we've set in place. 
the tradition of gathering for service is far less critical than me just coming and saying, Lord, what today, what is your purpose in my life? There's opportunity all around us today in, in the praise, in the word. Lord, I, I want to walk away from this and through the weekend. I want to be at work. I want to line myself up with the thing that you're after. I want to commit myself to do that. Line yourself up with the work of the Lord. It's not okay to be near it. I can tell you this. I, um, I can tell you out here in the soccer field, you know the lone tree that we had for so many years that, that um, blew down in that one storm. Um, but, but I still miss it. Um, we were playing soccer out there, and uh, it was right before I, I went to England, um, 18, but I had heard a couple things about this girl, Megan Still, and then Dan, uh, uh, Dan uh, Martin came up and, you know, told me that she wasn't available, that no one had cracked the code, and I was immediately much more interested, um, and um, spent a lot of time pondering my attack plan, which I had no clue about, but anyway, um, and then I, and, and, um, and then I, I, you know, so there was a period of time before I ever even knew Megan, right? This, you're going to get this correlation as I'm going along. Um, and that was, that, was, that was bad. That was bad life, right? That was, that was the dull life. And then there was, after I actually met Megan, and life was much better after that. Um, but then, then I went away to England. Um, and she also offered me the backseat of her car to that, that convention. Um, I'm not, not bitter about that, but I was pretty dangerous. I was a farm boy. Yeah. Well, we were all going to town. That sounds bad, yeah. We were all going to town. Let me explain. We were... Yeah, yeah, I wasn't even offered the passenger seat. That was it. It was, it was the back seat. Extra safe. Anyway, yeah, she was driving, and, and uh, there was another guy. There was a bouncer in the front seat, just to make sure. Um, I thought I feared the Lord, but apparently that was dangerous. But, um, you know, life... life after meeting Megan, was, it was much better, you know, I thought about it. But just to stay in that place of just knowing about Megan, you know, then when she moved up here and, and the Lord worked out some things, I was, had access to my dad's email and she, she needed some help with uh, stuff she needed to get together for college, so I ran some interference there and the Lord worked things out. We know how. Uh, <clears throat> it was good. Yeah. Email. Yeah. No, I was just about, you know, Arctic clothing and stuff like that, what to bring. Um, but, and then she moved across the hall. All of those things were fantastic, but living the rest of my life with Megan across the hall or just knowing that she's down in Florida was not, you know, I, I could have known about her, or talked to her. That wasn't what I was interested in, right? I mean, there is, you know, um, the level of relationship with the Lord. The, the earth is full of people that know about the Lord, that they relate with him a little bit every once in a while. And, have, and, and not, they don't even, they know that he's a good God and they want him a part of their life. Um, but again, um, that's not what he's after. It, you know, the, I, was not, I was not okay. I spent a lot of nights just, you know, rolling around in England thinking about what might happen, right? I wasn't, this wasn't just, I wasn't fine with this to go on for another 50 years, just like that, you know? Uh, and um, there, we just have to understand that God's purpose, his purpose is to have people in which the life that he's given us comes to fruition. This is what he's after. And um, there has to be, this is what has to happen. There's, there's so much that we can't do, but for the people that are going to make it, there's going to be an intention of their focus. Everything about where we're headed, where we're going, you know, when you're in love with a girl, there's not a part of your day and what you're doing that's kind of just off track. Not, you know, you're headed somewhere with something and everything of your life is affected by this. There is, there is a, 
all-encompassing, there must be an all-encompassing, an all-consuming uh, uh, effect of the rest of our life where, where the Lord has access, right? Does this make sense? There aren't any parts of our life that the Lord doesn't have access to. And I want to say that, especially for young people, I remember thinking, you know, I'm doing this. This is not something that the Lord's probably very much a part of. Now I'm going to service. The Lord's really a part of that. We do have times where the Lord's anointing uh, is with us. And those are times that you want to take advantage of. But during the day, in the office, at work, the intention of God is to say, you know what? I'm, I'm bringing into your life today things that are going to wake you up again to realize that I'm here. And a lot of those things are things that Verna was talking about that are the things that are in our path that we cannot change to drive us to reach in deeper to what the Lord wants from us. I want to take a look at, at Esther briefly here. So much has been said of this. There is, um, you know, we just came through the play about Paul. And, you know, it is, it is fantastic when the Lord comes into your life and then knocks you off the horse with a bright light. The Lord has done that to all of us in different ways, right? I mean, it can be somebody comes and says something to you or the job goes off the rails or you're at the end of it with your kid. There are, there are some bright light moments in our life. And, and for Paul, um, that, was, that was what the Lord used to stop him in his tracks, right? Blind. What has been going on with me? I've been on the trail. Curtain call. It's all over. Hello, Lord. You know, there's no, when you, when you go blind, you're knocked off your horse. There isn't going to be an acknowledgement of what's happening. But for the rest of Paul's commitment to the Lord, it was much different than that. You find Paul is just committing and recommitting and committing and recommitting through so many things that want to take him off track to the point of him saying, you know, I sought the Lord three times, you know, for this infirmity to be taken away. And he finally, no, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, my strength is made perfect in weakness. The, the Paul that you get after he's getting knocked off the horse, the work that happens that is the work of the cross is so much more important than the light knocking him off the horse. All the work of the interior is done during the quiet, continuous times of the Lord's work in his life. I don't know, you know, there is, um, I had a lot of kids that came here that grew up with wild, you know, and they had a testimony that was just amazing, which is fantastic. The Lord's, all of you that are here, you grew up like me, you've known the Lord from the beginning. You didn't have, you know, you didn't get a chance to go out and do all sorts of crazy things. You've probably done plenty of crazy things, but there hasn't been a time in your life when you haven't known about the Lord, right? He's been, this is an environment where we know of the Lord. There hasn't been that wild conversion, but I want to say that the simple, continuous work of the cross is so much more important than any dramatic experience in our life. The Lord uses those, but that's rare. What is really the work of mature son is that today, the still small voice of the Lord today, it's going to be a work in my life. It's going to give me opportunity to stop maybe the thought trend I have, maybe the exhaustion I've had. The still small voice is going to be saying, you know, you could do this, you could take your own thoughts, but actually the life of Christ, Gabe, is available today to be different, to, to move into something different. What is the practicality of this? It's got to have a real outworking. This is what the Lord is after. The still small voice, you look at Elijah. Elijah goes, he tears down the prophets of Baal. He calls for, you know, tons of water to have. I mean, you know, you would have thought that that day might have lasted for maybe a couple of years. You know, if I had gone out in the pasture and called down fire, it'd be on the news. We'd be really busy here. We'd need a few more boats, right? There'd be a lot happening. I mean, it would just be, 
it would not be a normal day. But the greatest prophet of all times in, in a few days is saying, Lord, I'm no better than my father's. Take away my life. You've got to understand that the Lord knows that the work on the interior to, to transition us, to translate us into the life of Christ is actually so much more real and so much more exciting than the dramatic things. That's what he's after. So Esther here, I, I, we all know this story, and it's such a fantastic... Um, what, uh, what, what do I want to start with? Um, <clears throat> The story is great, and it's actually, what I want to look at is, I want to look at Mordecai, actually, um, because Mordecai, um, let's turn to Esther 4. Mordecai is the, is so important in this story. Um, just reading it through uh, last Sunday morning, I was just, again, amazed at the, the importance of Mordecai and how the story would have turned out without Mordecai. Um, there wouldn't have been an Esther, actually. Um, because if you, if you take what is happening here, and you consider Esther, um, we know the story, I'll try to condense it, I want to get the two more scriptures after the story and one, one we'll try to be quick, but, um, you know, Esther, we see the call go out across Shushan, right? The, the queen has just left her position, the call goes out to everybody, Esther is not only called, but she's actually chosen, I want you to get the correlation of what we're talking about here, Esther gets the call, which is step number one, not everybody got that, but then she's actually chosen. As the queen, and she's living in the king's court. This is where the story of Esther is really born, in the court of the king. She is not just, she doesn't just even know about the king. She's actually the queen living in the court of the king. This is what we're doing here. We're actually, we have been called. We have been chosen. We know, we know more than just that there's, you know, a, a savior out there. The work of the Lord is active, and even our young people, he's, it's active in our life. We're here in the court of the king, having access every day. That's where we're at. And then the, the plan of Mordecai comes along, and uh, he sends out with Haman, and, you know, we're going to destroy all the Jews. Now, we know the end of the story, but for all the Jews in Shushan, it says, if you read the verse, it says, and the city of Shushan was perplexed, is what it says. That's kind of a delicate word. Uh, this is what it says, but these guys are writing around with a piece of paper that says, Hello, uh, you know, news from the king on this given day. Uh, Haman and the entire army are coming to kill you if you're a Jew. Thanks. We'll go on to the next. This is the, this is the news that's going out. And Haman gets, or uh, Mordecai gets this. And it says he, you know, tears off his clothes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and, and begins to pray. And you weren't allowed to go into the court of the king if you're dressed in sackcloth. So now he's outside of the gate of the court in mourning. Esther's inside the court of the king not knowing any of this. She gets word that Haman or that Mordecai is dressed like this, and she's like, "Hey!" She sends him another change of clothing, like that's why he's, you know, dressed like that. Could you please get into something that's more becoming of, you know, one of the people of the king's palace? And um, and then he sends back, and oh, this is where I want to pick it up. Um, and this is in chapter four of six. So Hatak, she sends him forth, went forth to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the gate. And then Mordecai told him of all that had happened to him and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it to Esther and declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go into the king to make supplication unto him and to make requests for him before her people. Suddenly... We find out what in the world Esther is actually doing in the palace. You know what she's doing in the palace? 
She's about to find out if she's willing to lay down her life. Life has been great up to this point. Life has been good. She's been learning more about the king. But suddenly, this is what we call the work of the cross. The work of the cross is going to be arising if you're engaged with the Lord every day in our life to just just once again come and say, are you willing today to lay down your life? Or are you going to say, nope, I'm, I'm enjoying just living in the court of the king. I'm enjoying knowing of the blessings of God, knowing the help is available, but not actually taking action in the areas that he has in my life, whatever it is. It's, it could be the habits, the hobbies, the things that you know that you have just thought of yourself, uh, that the unbelief in my heart about something that can change. No, that's not okay. That's actually not okay for someone that is going on to the fullness. That's what I want to say. And, and for me, I've just been trying to say, Lord, there has to be a growing up, right? There has to be a leaving of some of the areas of thinking that I've been in that are, that are okay for a time, that are not okay anymore. I don't want to remain there. I want to move forward. There's no moving forward unless we actually face the things in our life that are the work of the cross. And this is where this is just fantastic. So Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandments. And as if Mordecai doesn't know this, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law. This is some serious news for Esther. This isn't just like, you know, you mind ordering me some fries as well while you're talking to the king? This is totally different. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. Uh, but I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Now, Mordecai, I'm going to take Mordecai as the Holy Spirit. I'm going to also take Mordecai as your brother that's here every day, working whatever beside you. Because the story could have ended there. Like, yeah, that sounds dangerous. You know, hold on, we're going to figure out another plan. You know, Mordecai is the one that has raised Esther up as his daughter. That has, that has arranged the entire thing. Matters more to him than anybody, right? So this is obviously not a light deal for Mordecai. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not that with thyself, this is such a great thing, you know, that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall arise, uh, enlargement and deliverance shall arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Like, hello, Esther. Let me tell you what. You need to wake up to what you are doing here. This is like your dad. And this is the letter from your dad. It's like. What are you thinking? I mean, you know, Esther is obviously someone that's committed to the Lord. She's not doing evil things, but she's not engaged with the real purpose of what the Lord had her to do there. I mean, this must have been like, you know, a smack in the face for Mordecai to come in and give this letter. It's like, what? You know, that's fine. You know, think not that you can just survive being in this place going forward. And not only that. If you're not going to be part of this plan, it's not like God's plan is going to go down the drain. God's going to come up with another plan. What was plan two? I don't know. There's no reference of plan two here. I don't know. You know, but we've kind of seen that God has in a way of pulling out plan two. Something else might have happened. You know, Haman could have had a heart attack. There's a lot of good options that could have happened. But this was the plan. And the part is that Esther was invited to be a part of the one that actually went to the cross to do the work. 
This is a great answer. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai with this answer. Go and gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink. They've already been doing this. Neither day or night. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And, as we know, if I perish, I perish. Um, you know, at some point, um, <clears throat> boy, the effect that we have on each other. Uh, the Lord knows that we need each other. Say it that way. Um, and um, I think that we need a, a great thankfulness in our heart for those, um, anybody, that the Lord has put around us here that just speak into our life truth. When you are faced with the cross and you just are kind of done with whatever it is, um, it is so effective to have somebody that is willing themselves you know Mordecai is now she's the queen he doesn't take thought of the fact she's the queen he's like this is your calling I'm going to speak right to the calling of your life um, what a wake-up call this is what this is and you know and you can see Jesus himself he's before the cross you know the Lord sends him angels to strengthen him you know this isn't something as Fabian said that we are going to be able to pull off on our own strength you know, this is, this is, as you've heard, this has been a theme. Nathan talked about the Lord destroying everything of self. I must decrease that he might increase. It's not easy to decrease. Only God knows the way. I'm not an easy, just to, just to decrease of my own thinking. It doesn't just come naturally. But the work of the cross, we must meet it every day. This is how, this is how my calling and the fullness of Christ Meat is the work of the cross. That is what the Lord uses in my life. There's no other way to come to fullness. I'd love for there to be. But I'm just saying, on the beach every day in the sun is not how I come to the fullness of the measure of Christ. The Lord is at work in my life to reveal to me quietly with, with the, the simple, quiet words of the Holy Spirit and the people around me. Hey, you know, do you know who you are today? Do you know? Just remember who you are today. Remember your calling today. This is what Mordecai did. And I want to read a, a fantastic synopsis from, um, uh, from Sparks. Because, and as we know, I didn't read this, but I mean, we know that Esther goes in. And, you know, she doesn't even ask for the thing the first time. But we know that the, that the king lowered his scepter. You know, I mean, Esther had to come to a place where she realized, uh, you know, this, this little saying, if I perish, I perish. That I, I don't think that... That Haytack came in and she's like, yeah, you're right. You know, just go tell him I'm going to do this if I perish. I think there was some deep consideration of what this meant. I mean, you know, this is, this is actual life and death. This is not pretend. This is the real deal. That, that my life is on the line. And I think Esther realized, you know what? I really, I really have been here just enjoying the blessings of the king's house. And I really haven't considered what my purpose is here. This... this that's about as great of a comparison as I can say for Whitestone Farms right now. It is not okay to be here living in the house of the king. We have so many great things. We have so many great blessings. We have established so many great things. There's a lot that's going. But the purpose of all of this is to actually go into the king. That's the purpose of this. The purpose of this uh, is so personal that, that on whatever Tuesday or Wednesday it is, uh, that the form and function of Whitestone of Shushan, whatever, is, okay, Lord, today, 
I got a plan, this is great. I'm, I'm going out to the barn. I'm go we got kids involved in landscaping and whatever things, which is really fantastic to get involved in. But what, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm here to actually get into Christ and, and actually say, I don't know what I'm to do with my life. Actually to say, I went to a graduation last night and it was a great with Kelly, it was, it was great. And some people there that really care for kids. Um, but again, there was, there was such a push about uh, you know, college, just that of course it's, it's when you're graduating, right? It's like, and I was talking with a couple of parents, they're homeschool, right? It's the homeschool thing. There was 18 kids, some really dear kids, a lot of uh, families that are working hard to teach their kids. Uh, like us that don't have the, uh, the fantastic school just at home, but I talked to five or six parents and they all, almost every one of them was um, talking about the push just to, to dive into education before kids even know what they want to do, right? Just, just diving into education, whatever that is. All of us, you know, the future as a young person is a lot more of a, of a developing thought than, than maybe when you're older, but I think for all of us right now, where we are headed has got to be such a personal thing. It isn't just the development of Whitestone and the infrastructure of business and the things that the Lord is going to be taking care of. He's doing a good job of that, right? He's doing a good job of that. But the purpose is to call to be a part of the company of people that the Lord is raising that are involved in his life in the world and that are sharing his life with other people. That's, there's nothing more exciting than that. That's, that's everything. When you bump, I don't care where you are, in town, on the plane, when you bump into someone else that is involved in that work, it's like, it's almost refreshing. That, you know, there's other people out here that the Lord has. Like, right. Hello, there's other people. God's had people in every country that are involved in this, you know. We're blessed to be in a group of people that are, are heading the same direction. That's a huge blessing. But the king's court that we live in is for a purpose. It's, it's to be able to strengthen us to meet the cross every day. The things that, that we do about that are so important. And uh, here, this is, this is May 10. But it says, the cross is a full and final principle. Although it has many aspects... It is a full and final principle. We are going to see that the cross in its fullness and finality was right there at the beginning of the Bible. As a principle, it was absolute then. And just in so far as you and I bring our lives at this time of the day back to God's fullness of the cross, then we are going to know this progressive development and increase of life so far and no more. In other words, as much as you bring yourself up to the work of the cross, that is how much you're going to know of the fullness of Christ. I've been, I really believe this, that, that to get there, you have to engage with the work. The cross is the great divide. It divides people into three categories. Firstly, it makes a broad division between those who never get into life and those who do. We've been talking about that. We have been, we're on the path of life. Thank the Lord for that. Whether men and women get into life at all depends entirely upon their acceptance of the cross. But it divides further. This is the thing. It divides between those who get into life and those who go right through to the fullness of life. I love that. That, uh, that is just that's such a difference. Okay, is it hell? Is it lack of growth? I don't know, but I want to go right through into the fullness of life. That's, that's what we're here to do. And there is quite a real division there. This is the harder division. This is a hard thing to discuss and to explain. Is it evil to know? Is it evil to be on the path of life? No. Is it, you know, well, no, but I want to get what I've been purposed to get. Yeah. You know, what is the risk of, of getting into the path of life for you and me and actually not getting to the fullness of life? I don't know that I want to experiment and find out, really. I want to just keep committing myself and asking the Lord to keep dragging my carcass down the road to get to the full, get clear through to the fullness of life, right? I mean... Right. 
you have to commit. There is no dragging. This is the this is the work we're involved in. You know, this is Mordecai didn't come and arrest Esther and run her down the aisle. Uh, hey, I got someone that wants to see you. No, this is a volunteer deal. This is what we're involved in. And I think that. Um, so let me finish this. Whether you like the theory or not, I love this. Sparks doesn't. He's, this is a fact. <laughs> there are many Christians who are in the way of life. That is, who have entered into the way of life, but are not going right on to the fullness of life. That is what the entire New Testament is about. Getting Christians who have entered into the life, the way of life, to go on into the fullness of life. And the cross is that great divide. This is why we find in Galatians 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? There is so much um, that God is at work to do. But we have been surrounded by people that, like Mordecai that are thankfully speaking into our lives. You know, we get, to, we get to work with people that are, throughout the day, that are purposed to do this. And that, you know, the Lord has surrounded us with people, if I look around the room, that are purposed to this end, right? This is, I, I know where Brother Abel is purposed. Come from Mexico, I, was, I know where he's purposed, right? I look at Nelson, Angela, Brother John and Carol, they're here. I, I work with them. It makes a big difference that I know where they're purposed to go. They, they don't want to sell out for second, second best. We must... Realize, whether you like it or not, this is what I want to say. All of us in this room have been purposed to go on to the fullness. It's not okay to just enjoy the blessings of a life with the Holy Spirit, a blessing in the court of the King, knowing what is here, and then to take up our life and try to enjoy the fruit of my life and the life of the Lord. That is not a good plan. The plan that lies before us, that, that is on for Gabe G, is that tomorrow... I want to be engaging. I want to be committing to the, to the still, small voice, the work of the Spirit in my life that says, you know, Gabe, the next step, the next step for you, you might not be stepping before, you know, a hazardous today, but the next step for you is that this thing that, that I've been talking to you about that, that must go in your life, you better stay upon me for this thing to happen, and you better engage with me. And, and when you do those things, it, it takes some time, but... Boy, the Lord himself is with you every step of the way to bring deliverance in those areas because he knows. He knows. He put the tree in the garden. He knows my shortcomings. He knows I'm going to go for that one thing that's still every time. But he also knows that those things are there to reveal to me that I'm going to continue to yield myself to his work. Don't, don't jump out. Uh, don't jeopardize the, the great work of the Lord by uh, canceling yourself out for failure. Just meet him again today. Amen? Okay. Lord, thank you uh, for your, your kindness. As we heard this morning, Lord, for your, the hope that you meet us with uh, each morning. Uh, thank you, Lord, for those that surround us here, that uh, speak into our life, that are, not, uh, that are not afraid to speak the truth, Lord. May we do that for each other, Lord. May we... Commit ourselves, Lord. Thank you for your work that is going on with so many here, Lord. For those that are keeping themselves before you, Lord, we ask you for strength for each of them today, Lord. Uh, we go with you in Jesus' name. Amen.